Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Change is constant, and nowhere is this more true than with your company's network and network security. With an SD-WAN solution from Blackfoot Communications, you get the best of both worlds. A scalable network to quickly connect remote offices and the protection from downtime that ensures your network is always on. For more information, visit blackfootbusiness.com or call 866-541-5000. Blackfoot, connect to more. It's 4 o'clock. Welcome to Tutel and Nuanes, Montana's only statewide sports talk show. Broadcast on 102.9 ESPN Radio for Western Montana and across the state on SWX Television. I like football! Now, sports talk from Montana for Montana. Live from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanes. Hello, Montana. A happy post-Labor Day Tuesday to you. The NFL cuts down to 53 players who made it who did not. And maybe some NFL stuff. And... How about SpawnCon this Saturday? It is Tutel Nuanas. It is 1029 ESPN Radio and SWX Montana Television across the great state. Outstanding to be with you. And if you were elsewhere in the world or maybe you're inside the state borders, it's just easier. You can still listen live all the time on the stream. You go to our website, 1029ESPN.com. You check that thing out anytime you'd like to. The stream is available. Thanks to Opportunity Bank of Montana. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. If you want to pick up your phone and call, we welcome that as well. 361-3688. 361-3688. All guests join us via the Rankish Brothers RV phone line. You can text that phone number as well. 361-3688. We love your feedback. We love interacting with you. So feel free to get in here either audibly or textually, however you feel is best for you. Let's take a look at what we got in the show today. Cuts in the NFL happened uh, earlier this week over the weekend, getting down to a 53-man roster. Always interesting when you don't get to see any preseason games. I feel like I should be as excited as I've ever been that the NFL is here, and yet I haven't had the sort of influence of anticipation because we haven't had the preseason and everything like that. And then all of a sudden you look up and it's like 48 hours from now. Well, 50 and a half, but who's counting? The NFL starts, you know, and it's like, okay, here we go. Thursday, let's rock and roll. Love it. So I'm pumped up about that. I'm going to be even more excited as we get into it. But as we look around the NFL, particularly from the FCS level, from the Big Sky level, and from Montana and Montana State, who is on an active roster right now, who is not, we'll get into that. We will get into a big weekend around the state in terms of uh, high school football, Class A, Class B, Class C, uh, in action around the state of Montana. So we'll get into that. Katie Duell will join us. She is the Executive Director of Home Resource. Spontaneous Construction, SpawnCon for short, is still happening. The 16th one happening uh, this Saturday over at Home Resource in Missoula. A very, very cool event. We've talked to Katie for years about this, and uh, we'll continue to uh, check in, especially with 
it operating in a sort of a different way this year. So we'll uh, we'll cover that with her uh, at uh, about about quarter to five today. Top of the hour, we get into uh, just some broad sports stuff. Lou Brock passed away uh, earlier. Was it today, Coulter? Or was it yesterday? Uh, just Lou over Brock. the weekend. Over yep. the weekend, Lou Brock uh, at the age of eighty-one, uh, one of the the great great Hall of Fame uh, baseball players. And I tip my cat despite. Uh, tip my cap despite the uh, the fact he's a great cardinal, which of course you know all the great players seems like we're cardinals and not cubs when you go back far enough. Well, so, yeah, I mean, I mean there's a couple great ones. So the, the cardinals cubs, were going to the right. postseason of winning World Series for decades and decades, and the cubs were and uh, and not. Dustin Johnson tour championship. BYU blows out Navy on Monday Night Football. I'd like to touch on that briefly and only briefly, but I would like to. And, yes, NBA playoffs uh, in uh, a rocking and rolling. The Celtics are one game away, and uh, the Bucks managed to get a win but have lost at least for the remainder of that game. We'll see uh, uh, for tonight. Giannis Antetokounmpo. So uh, we will get into uh, all of that and more here on a Tuesday. Halsey, into it, not into it? Not sure. Okay. Tell me more. I don't know. I just like Halsey. I think hmm. she's like, I just, I don't know. You love like punk rocker, edgy gals. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I don't know if I'd put a punk rock. She's squarely in the pop genre. There's no question. Yeah, but isn't she like trying to be a little voice. bit more edgy than, you know, Ariana Grande and uh, there's some Taylor shadow. Swift. There's some shadow there. Yes. Right. I agree. Which makes her infinitely better already, even though I have never listened to her before. <laughs> okay. Very good. Uh, all right. Uh, Coulter, nice to see you. Nice to see you. Nice three-dayer. We already recapped. We don't need to do it live, but we both had good weekends. Thank you all for asking and wondering. Did you know that Lou Brock's career actually started with the Chicago Cubs? No, I didn't. 1961 to 1964. Hmm. Well, he probably made the best decision, I must say. Uh, sounds stands to reason. Uh, what do you got for us today, Coulter? Uh, the book in our, club our book club, in our Coulter Nuanez's bookshelf. Uh, yep. This is actually the... Uh, I don't want to call it a program because it's essentially like a magazine. It's like a periodical for the Montana Football Hall of Fame. Those who listen to the show consistently know I'm uh, on the board of directors for the Montana Football Hall of Fame. I help do the biographies. This is from the 2017 banquet. No specific um, significance there, except for that anybody that follows the Montana Football Hall of Fame, you know that our main criteria for the initial inductees here, because it's kind of strange. There has not been a Montana Football Hall of Fame yep. until we uh, until Rick Helmus and a, and a group of gentleman out of Billings started this thing and I got involved with them writing some of the biographies because the in, in the inaugural class uh, Sonny Holland former Montana State both player and coach was inducted and this began in 2016 and it was the 40th anniversary of Montana State's 1976 national championship so I've been planning a big story on coach Holland anyways and I just happened to run into Rick and said, hey, I'm writing this big bio on Sonny anyways. Why don't we do it in the program? And he's like, well, that's a great idea. Why don't we just do this for all the guys? And so we write, I, I, myself, Bick Colleen, Dave Guffey, a couple other guys from around the state, Bill Lamberty's helped out a little bit as well. We write uh, biographies about all these guys, and they're pretty extensive feature stories. But the parameters to be in the Montana Football Hall of Fame, at least initially here, are you either have to be someone that's from Montana who went on to play in the NFL or the CFL, or someone that played college football in Montana and went on to play in the NFL or CFL. There's some crossover. You can't be from Montana and then have played in Montana in college, or you can be not from Montana but played in Montana in college, or you can be from Montana and played elsewhere in college. So it's not just Bobcats and Grizzlies, uh, but anybody that makes it to the pro ranks. So I thought that was a good segue into guys from specifically uh, Montana, Montana State, which there's very few. We'll get into that a little bit. But guys from around the Big Sky Conference that also made or did not make rosters in the NFL. But uh, shameless plug for the Montana Football Hall of Fame. We did not have our induction banquet this year. Really too bad. We have a star-sided class that we will induct next year. We're moving the banquet to June. Uh, so stay tuned for details on that. You can always get your tickets at Universal Athletic. It's one of the best events of the year. And uh, we hope anybody and everybody that wants to can join us in Billings next year. If you were going to write my biography, what would the mm. first sentence be? Mm. Mm. Imagine what could have been had he been organized. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. What? Your, your complete and utter lack of organization is what makes you a brilliant performer. There you go. If okay, you were I'm organized, you wouldn't be nearly as cool. Therefore, the show would suck. You know, I had this conversation with friends yesterday. They're like, 
you know, we like you, but we wish you weren't like this. It's not exactly the tone of this conversation, really? but not not like this, but huh. we not not like this, but we wish you didn't do these things hmm. or this thing. Hmm. It's like, but here's the thing. If I didn't do this thing, I wouldn't be me and we might not be friends. Right. You know, you can't alter, you know, some of the stuff about, you You know, we can always improve, you know, do that thing, try and get better over time. But there's some fundamentals, man. And if you change it, well, you're just you're just messing up the universe. So I think most people struggle with acknowledging their own weaknesses. And I think that's where people go awry. If you're not authentic to yourself, then you'll be inauthentic to everyone else. And that's where people struggle to really find connection. The best compliment I could give you is that uh, everything that's quote unquote wrong with you, you know, and you don't care. And that's why you're great. God bless you for saying that. Because it's the truth, I completely man. agree it's with the truth. you. Just embrace the suck. Just, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's like we're going to talk to Katie Duell from SpawnCon. Like, I can't build anything. No, nothing. No. There is nothing I could build. I would cut all my fingers off if the I tried to build anything. The worst thing I could do do is try to build something because i'm <laughs> it's not going to get done and i'm going to be angry it, so you might as well just have me happy and still not have the thing because you're not going to have it in either case give me the hammer to swing i can do that yeah, if you want me yeah. to design it be creative uh-uh, I, can, I can swing the hammer i just can't hit the nail all right coulter the big sky conference the nfl uh it has at times been uh replete with players in the league from the big sky conference and at other times there's been a bit of a dearth right now we're kind of i don't know somewhere in the middle uh but i would say it's on the low end on the low end okay but we are uh entering obviously week one we're in week one of yep. the nfl season in terms of the you know it's it's game prep that's what we're doing now in uh, in the league and consequently i don't know what the final day was if it was saturday if it was friday last week but final cuts down to the 53-man roster and obviously with no intermediate cut no preseason a very uh difficult time especially for you know undrafted free agents to really get a look I think in some certain ways there was not as many guys uh just available in total it wasn't a 90 man uh uh you know roster for uh this this fall session this August session like it normally is so a little bit tough but let's take a look at guys because there's a couple guys who were on some clubs and a couple guys who were waived so take take us around the big sky conference starting with uh, cats and grizzlies well first of all I'll give you a precursor with this the the narrative that the no preseason games made it really hard for small school guys to make the team, it made it really hard for a lot of guys to make any team, period, no matter where you're from, because there's no way to perform in games. And if you are not a starter or on a guaranteed contract or, you know, a part, I mean, every single team has about 40 guys that are part of the plan. They're not trying to make the team. Yeah. And then the other, in this case, I guess this year, the other 35 guys are trying to fight it out for the other 23 spots. If you don't have games, though, so often, like if you're Dante Olson from the University of Montana playing for the Philadelphia Eagles, the majority of the reps you're getting in practice are against the first team. You can't just go blow up Miles Sanders. You're going to, that'll get you cut faster than than not performing well. You know what I mean? You can't just light up the stars. So it's really hard for guys to make it. I mean, if these guys want any sort of, of um, silver lining or affirmation, any of these guys that didn't that got cut or, or maybe are going to have to fight their way up through practice squads, Josh Rosen got cut. Right. Josh Rosen just signed on the practice squad with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is actually breaking news. Josh freaking Rosen. He was the number one quarterback in the country coming out of high school. Tenth overall pick in the draft the two years ago. The golden boy mm-hmm. at UCLA. Mm-hmm. The tenth pick in the draft, and the dude's not on an active roster. That's how hard it is to make an active roster in this NFL. It's really hard to make an active roster. I think it's also a great case study and situation. You know, you, For sure. You get a coach that wants you. You go in. You have a very you know mediocre rookie season. You know what? A lot of guys have had mediocre rookie seasons, especially as quarterbacks. How about Peyton Manning, for one? By the way, I'm certainly not suggesting Josh Rosen is Peyton Manning. I'm just just saying this is the way it goes. He set the all-time season single season record for interceptions Picks, yep. his rookie year. Then that guy gets fired. Then you got to move on. You go to a new place. They draft their next quarterback in line after you, and you move on from that. And it, you know you sort of have this thing going. Anyway, that's a bit of an aside. I think you're absolutely right about the games. It is it is tough, and I think even more than that, though, was the original part. There's yep. less guys in camp, yep. and so. You know, there's 10, 15 guys per team that aren't even in, in you know, in pads getting seen in any sort of look. So you're right. And to not have the live reps and to not go same on same, to not go guy number 55 versus guy number 51, who wins, you know, from one team to the other in a live setting, 
it's hard to make your mark. And you're you're not trying to get anybody hurt either. And what's the most high impact play in a football game or practice? A kickoff. You kick. Yeah. Covering kicks. How do you have a live kickoff? I mean, Dante Olson has to make the team by showing he can play on special teams. That's the way he's going to make the roster. And a lot of guys in the Big Sky are in that same situation. And I don't really. And it's not just linebackers, right? Like receivers got to play on kick teams. I don't know how you go get those sorts of reps. Travis Johnson from Montana State, he probably really lost out in that element as well. But point being, Dante Olson was waived. And that was actually last week, last week that, yeah. that that ended up happening. Yep. And, you know, is it a surprise? I don't know. It's certainly, you know, disappointing for a guy who who is a great player. And, you know, is is this mean it's the absolute end of the road? No. no. Um, but there's, you know, it, this, is, this is the time where you kind of got to stay ready and hope with an expanded practice squad, which we understand is is – you know, likely the case that maybe in Philadelphia or maybe somewhere else you can get a look to actually just be on and still be still be playing, still be doing this for work. You said is it a surprise you don't know? I don't think it was a surprise that he didn't make the active roster. I do think it's a surprise he hasn't signed to the practice squad yet. I do expect Dante Olson to end up on someone's practice squad. Mm-hmm. The Eagles is definitely the one he has the inside track. They're the ones that called him on draft day. As we know, there's multiple connections to the University of Montana on the Eagles staff, namely Tim Houck and Marty Morningweg. So you have to imagine those guys are at least lobbying for him a little bit. We'll see. I want to go through just a couple of the guys who made it who didn't make it, but then I want to have a discussion because I do think that this is a direct reflection of, I don't want to say the quality of the Big Sky Conference because it's really hard to judge an FCS conference based on how many NFL guys are coming out of it, but I do think it's indicative of a lot of the trends that are happening in the conference Mm. in a lot of different directions. So, uh, as we know, 11 guys from Big Sky Conference teams signed uh, undrafted free agents contracts this last year after the draft. That was uh, about half of what normally signed, which in itself I think was a product of the environment uh, as much as maybe the quality of the league. The when we first launched Skyline Sports in uh, 2015, I I started putting together comprehensive lists of all the guys in the NFL, you know, from respective schools. Had the table for the tally of where those guys are from, and I remember that uh, 2015 2016, the number was always about three dozen, 34 to 36 guys is what was in the league, and right now there's going to be 19 guys that are on active rosters right mm-hmm. now, so about half there as well. That said, a lot of times those get uh, the, the the 35 was the amount of guys that were getting invited to the initial training camps, not necessarily making active rosters. And as we know, the initial training camps had uh, what 20 20 less guys on them. It went from 95 to 75, so it is tough. But as far as recent guys, you mentioned Dante Olson was released last week by the Philadelphia Eagles. Bryce Dirk, he initially signed as a tight end with the Miami Dolphins. He was released pretty early on in the process. Uh, but the former Montana State defensive end, he ended up in Cincinnati. He was cut over the weekend. Uh, J.J. Koski, uh, who's from Cal Poly, wide receiver, guy we've had on this show I think twice actually last season. He was with the, the San Diego Chargers. Los Angeles. Los Angeles Chargers. I'm never going to get never. that right. I'm never. never. I'm going to be calling the San Diego no, Chargers and, and, in 10 years. And I'm, I am absolutely commiserating with you because I'm on that San Diego train all day long. I can't get yeah. it. No. Khalil Dorsey, who's an incredibly talented athlete, he was actually a multiple-time placer at the Big Sky Conference track championships in the hurdles. So he's got real deal elite speed, former corner from Northern Arizona, practice squad for the Ravens. Jonah Williams, former Big Sky defensive MVP, shared the defensive MVP award yep. with Dante Olson this last year out of Weber State. He's on the Rams practice squad. He's a guy that has the frame, no doubt. He's just got to figure out how to play can at he, that can speed. He move, yeah. Jeff Cotton from the University of Idaho, a guy that was also on the show last year. I know, I know a guy that you really like. I mean, I, I thought one of the one of those guys who, yeah, when you're watching Big Sky football, he yeah. pops every time you watch For sure. Idaho play. You go, Jeff Cotton. Wow, that's that's a real player. Would you say that, uh, given what Montana's schedule was last year, that he was the most talented opposing player that played at Washington Grizzly Stadium last year? I'd have to go back through it the, for the I really like I really like that safety who was a drop-down from LSU that played for Southeastern Louisiana. But yeah. other than that, I thought, for what you're saying, Jeff Cotton, he, I mean, he was he, right away. He's, he's, a, he's a very, very talented guy. So those guys, practice squads, I think that that might open a few eyes when you're talking about Dante Olson not making a practice squad because you say, well, Dante Olson was more productive than all these guys. But there's there's a couple different elements to it. I think the one discussion point that's very interesting, and I think this is a a proving of your point in terms of having teams buy into you and, and 
where experience can get you in the NFL. Alex Singleton from former Montana State linebacker, he made the Eagles. Dante Olson did not. I've had multiple people text me over the weekend saying, was Alex Singleton really that much better than Dante Olson? Here, here's my take on this. Dante Olson is a is a see ball, get ball guy. I don't think that you can prove that except for in the scope of a game. So I think that he, more than almost any guy we're going to analyze, was really hurt by the no preseason. Alex Singleton's not as big as Dante Olson. He has as much snap, as much pop without being as big and being way faster. But the deciding factor here is that Alex Singleton's been a professional football player for five years. Right. He was a CFL MVP. He's familiar to the organization, too. He's, I mean, he he's was cut the his, Eagle he's last cut his year. teeth. Honestly, if Dante Olson walked the exact same path as Alex Singleton did, that could be a great path for Dante Olson. Sure. Alex Singleton was on practice squads with both the Seahawks and the Vikings. Then he decided, I, I want to go up to Canada. He had a little bit of a leeway because his mother is a Canadian citizen, so he was able to apply for the CFL draft as a, a, a national, not an international guy. That then helped him become a top five pick by Dave Dickinson's Calgary Stampeders. After two outstanding seasons up there, including one where he was the defensive MVP, he says, well, I'm going to make another run at the NFL. Gets on the Eagles practice squad, and now he makes the Eagles team. It's a great story of perseverance, but also one that I think that if Dante Olson was replicated, I don't think Dante Olson has any Canadian roots, but he should go look into it. His agent should go check it out, because maybe he does. No doubt. And if he does, that would be a great path for him to walk, because it definitely earned Alex Singleton a, an elevated opportunity. Well, and he'll have a year to prepare, because the CFL ain't playing this year. No question. Uh, my... my my deal with Dante Olson is that he is he's a great, great football player, and I think all the things that are pluses that we know of about Dante Olson are are NFL caliber level skill sets. I mean, when you talk about pop, when you talk about burst, when you talk about uh, run tackling, you know, between the tackles, all of that he is NFL caliber. But he is by NFL standards. Not not just a little bit, way too slow. He yeah. he he just is. I mean, you can't go four eight, four plus eight, eight. Yeah, nearly four it. nine. You can't do it. And even if that was like maybe not fully representative, like he actually is faster than that, which I think he is. He's still not fast enough to make it matter. Like you, you you're not you're not within the like closable gap, and you can't you can't play in the league at that at that speed. You just can't. You have to be able to get there wherever there is, and he's really limited in that because when he does get there, he's going to make the play. I really think, I mean, he's For got sure. that level of playmaking ability, strength, pop, all of that stuff, but you, you, you got to be faster. You just have to be. Greg Bishop from Sports Illustrated had a great article last year about the the uh, when teams first started running odd man fronts, the Bears' 4-6 four, four, defense, 46 defense, Buddy mm-hmm. Ryan's 46 defense was the one that sort of brought it into in vogue where you have fronts that shift out of their base quite consistently. But then Bill Parcells, Bill Belichick, the New York Giants started running the true 3-4, which did unleashed Lawrence Taylor on the rest of the league. And, you know, Joe Theismann and everybody else had to suffer the consequences of yeah. what Lawrence Taylor did to the NFL. But the 3-4 th- became in vogue in the 90s, but it was so much about isolating your best pass rusher. Greg Bishop's article last year in Sports Illustrated was about how the the three fours evolved to not only put your edge guys in favorable situations, not only do you confuse the opposing offense with pre-snap motions and and maybe switching up where the fronts are, because even if you are running a, a odd man front, sometimes you put the DNs wide, sometimes you put them in close, whatever. But the whole point of the article was the evolution of the inside linebacker. Because for years and years and years, we thought of the inside linebacker as Dick Butkus, Ray Nitschke, you know, these guys that, Mike Singletary, the big 6'4", 250-pound thumper, Brian Erlacher, those those are the guys that you thought of. Well, now, because everybody plays so fast, everybody's running spread elements, if you can have inside linebackers that can guard guys in pass coverage, uh, particularly the running back, because everybody throws the running back so much, that's what you want. Dante Olsen, he can play gap to gap. He can play in the hole. That's going to be fine in the NFL. The spot where he's going to have a hard time proving himself, and I and I hope that he can get to the point where he gets a chance to prove himself, because I do think he he has the drive and ability to do it. But if you're in the game against the Carolina Panthers, 
they're throwing the ball to Christian McCaffrey in the flat, and and you have to make the tackle. Yeah. And and if you're the coaching staff, you're like, do I believe that this guy can do that? Can this guy really tackle Austin Eckler in open space? And that's what the, where the game is gone. That's why the, this evolution of undersized guys that can play three, four inside linebacker, those have become some of the most coveted guys in the league. I think that's why you saw a guy like Buda Baker get such a big contract. Yeah. I mean, in defense of uh, you know a guy like Dante Olson, show me the, the linebacker that can oh, get Christian. But I, your point is well taken. Uh, all I'm the, saying, all I'm, I'm all I'm saying though is that there's no one can tackle Christian McCaffrey in open space. But if you are playing against the Panthers and they see you go in the game, that's the only play they're going right, to run. Right. Right. And, and that that's that's the issue here. The other thing, too, is we think about this positionally, which is reasonable. But also at the end of the day, if you're trying to make a team as a UFA. You are you you got to cut your teeth right on special teams. We understand that. Special teams requires some straight line speed and also the ability to break down and you know chase down a play, maybe from the side, maybe even from behind. And I just don't know if Dante Olson has that. Like I just don't think that he does. That's why I thought Travis Johnson maybe had a real look had he not been injured of of, of at least making a practice squad because I think he's got that that set of skills. To contrast that though. The most underrated part of speed has nothing to do with how fast you can run. Angles has everything to do with how fast you can recognize. Yeah, Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup runs. That. Cooper Cup runs a four seven, but he's he's always open. Yeah, he's a little better than okay. four seven. I think now. he ran like a four six one at the combine. I mean, okay. what? Well, that's okay. He runs a four six. He's one of the slowest receivers in the league. He's always open. Why? Because he knows how to beat you to that spot. Sean McVay's a genius. That's why. What are we seeing in the <laughs> NBA right now? Who are the two, who are the two slowest players in the Doncic league as far as super stars? Doncic yeah. and Jokic. It doesn't matter because they can beat you to the yeah, spot because they yeah. see it faster. I want to have this discussion with you really quick, though. Okay. So right now, here's the docket of, by school, in the Big Sky Conference, players in the NFL. Eastern Washington, way out in front of everybody. They have six guys on active rosters, including slated starters, Cooper Cup for the for the Rams, Samson Ebicom for the Rams, Kendrick Bourne for the 49ers. They got three dudes who are going to straight start in the league this year. That's far and away more than anybody else in the league. Portland State actually gets a, into a second place alone because uh, Charlie Talmaupea. There you go. Uh, who is the tight end? We call him Touchdown Charlie. Tor- yeah. Charlie T for short because, you know, that name is a little bit uh, cumbersome. He just signed the practice squad uh, with the uh, with the Colts. Okay. So that gives Portland State three, including one starter in Patrick Onwasu. So Portland State there. Sac State has two. Um George Obina did make the Browns, and DeAndre Carter, he's been in the league for about, this will be his fourth year now, wide receiver, so that, that's good for them. So then Utah's got two. LaShawn Sims is, is still a, a depth guy in the league, whereas Miles Killebrew is starter for the Detroit Lions. Weber State's got one. Teron Johnson, he's the starting corner for the uh, Buffalo Bills, starting nickelback, I should say. But then they also have Jonah Williams on a practice squad. Pretty sure Asua Peto will be on a practice squad when it's all said and done, too. He's a formidable offensive lineman. Uh, Jacob Boxmeyer, who's the long snapper out of Northern Colorado, is on a roster. Nick DeZubnar, who's the best linebacker I've seen at Cal Poly in the last 10 years, he continues to make a name for himself. He's on an active roster. Josh Hill from Idaho State. This will be his eighth year in the league, I believe. Mm-hmm. He's with the Saints. Caden Ellis from Idaho. He is also with the Saints. Caden Ellis is actually right now slated as the starting Sam linebacker for the Saints. Mm. I'm not surprised by that because he, when Idaho first came back in the league, there was a couple guys you could see where you're like, well, okay, that guy went there because it's an FBS school. Yeah, like that guy is more twitchy. He's more. He's a better athlete than pretty much everybody. Caden Ellis was that type of dude, and then Montana State has one with Alex Singleton making the Eagles. UC Davis zero. Northern Arizona they do have Khalil Dorsey on the practice squad, but no one on an active roster. And Montana zero. Mm-hmm. Three points in terms of what I think that this means. First of all. I think that Eastern Washington having six is indicative of a some of the place some of the uh, advantages they've been able to build through recruiting, but b how great Bo Baldwin recruited. I, I want to see what that number looks like in three years because I just don't know if that pipeline is going to be the same. Number two, the Metro schools have less than they usually have. Sac State and Portland State have never been about developing guys. So often they're just about what transfer did you get or what dude did you get that was a late bloomer who just grew up in your area and then he goes to the league. But they usually have three, four, five guys from each of those schools. Southern Utah only having two left. 
I think that's directly correlated to the fact that Ed Lamb left for BYU and they have not been able to replace that pipeline. But the number one reason that this list has only 19 players on it, not the 30 to 35 that we're used to seeing, is that there's one player from Montana and Montana State combined in the NFL. I never thought I'd see the day where you were listing all 13 Big Sky Conference teams and Montana State's in 10th and Montana is in last. That's unbelievable to me. Yeah, it is. It's... it. The, the thing that's indicative here is not, I mean, Eastern Washington having six is obviously the outlier here where nobody else is more than two. Well, and, and, and we it's, understand it, that's why. the great, it's the greatest outlier I've ever seen because we've seen times when even Bobby Houck's era, last era of Grizz guys that were in the NFL, I think there was at one point, I think 24 guys that were bouncing around between practice squads and active rosters. I think the most the Grizz ever had at one time was 11. So almost twice as many of what Eastern has as far as guys on active rosters. But you had for every Trumaine Johnson and Corey Beerman, and there was those guys that were starters. Mm-hmm. Those are the only two guys I could think of. On Dan Carpenter, who were full-time stars. Mark Mariani was a starter as a specialist. But you're talking about, in Eastern Washington's case, two dudes who started on a team that went to the Super Bowl with the Rams, and then another dude, Kendrick Bourne, who started on a team that went to the Super Bowl last year with the 49ers. So you're talking about these are not just guys that are depth guys or or you know fringe guys. These guys are stars, and Cooper Cup's going to continue to become an even bigger star. The point is, though, is in the NFL, if you are analyzing this through the scope of football players, of of college football players, it's a time lag, right? I mean, you are what you are looking at the present NFL. You are looking five years retrospectively at the school or more, or maybe less. Okay, of course, because the the way you get numbers up in the NFL is you have one or two guys. Croy Beerman, to your point, Tremaine Johnson, or whatever it might be, yep. who are there year in and year out. Cole yep. Anderson, nine yep. years in the yep. league. That's yep. always going to be, you always yep. got a handful. Yep. And then two or three more that might yep. be one and done. Yep. You know? And then now all of a sudden you got four or five guys every year in there. And the what what you're seeing here is the guys who have the long careers coming to a close on, on those careers. And also the, you know, the last five to six to seven years uh, at Montana and Montana State have not had the proliferation that they have. What I would say to you now is that if you look at Montana, Montana State today, not even so much the individual players, though there's certainly guys that you can identify both places, but just the programs that are being built, you go, talk to me in 2023, 2024, about what the NFL players from the state of Montana look like. It's going to be very different. To tell me was one two nine ESPN Missoula on the other side. We're going to give you prep scores from over the weekend, but I also will tell you two important factors in this discussion we're having. It's all about kids from Montana. It's all about learning from the guys that came before oh, you. Oh boy, here we go. All right, coming up right after this. Hey, guess what? Sports are back, and the Silver Slipper has fifty five televisions for you to watch them on. That's right. Whether it's the NFL, NBA, NHL, college football, whatever you want, the Silver Slipper will have it for you. Drink specials every single day, 20 keto machines, a liquor store, and pizza. Listen, there's no one else. We're nowhere else. You should be watching your favorite team. At the Slipper, it's all about great food, tasty beverages, and their urge to have a good time. And oh, by the way, the card room is back and open with games nightly at 7 o'clock. Call or text 333-1500. That's 333-1500. Or visit MissoulaPoker.com for more info. Stop by today to see why the Silver Slipper is one of Montana's best-kept secrets. They're across the street from Super Walmart on Brooks. Check them out on Facebook as well. They have daily drink specials that they will update the info on every single day. It's the Silver Slipper. For unquestionably committed coverage of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics from a homegrown local source, you can count on Skyline Sports. The grassroots news-gathering organization is owned and operated by Coulter and Brooks Nuanas, a pair of Missoula natives and University of Montana graduates. For the best sports journalism in the state, you can choose to buy local when you choose to buy Skyline Sports. For $8 a month or $90 a year, you can get the best coverage available at SkylineSportsMT.com. Skyline Sports, every day, every season. Tutel Nuanas, 109 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Good to be with you. Happy Tuesday. At Gus Tutel on Twitter. 
at 1029 ESPN at Skyline Sports MT. There are your relevant handles for doing what you do in the Twitter sphere. Uh, Coulter, we'll get into some scores uh, here in a moment from around uh, high school football in the state of Montana over the weekend this past Friday. But I know you wanted to continue the conversation we were having in that first segment. A couple of more thoughts from you. Well, we were talking about Big Sky guys going to the NFL, and I was talking about how throughout my decade-plus covering the league, there's usually about 30 to 35 guys that get shots in the league, and it's usually then about 15 to 20 guys that make rosters. And right now, the the Big Sky has 18 guys on active rosters, so that's a little bit on par. But there's a couple of factors that have gone into maybe the reduction in guys. Partially, I think that Southern Utah was never a, a place that was producing a ton of NFL guys, but then all of a sudden they were when Ed Lamb was there, and now Ed Lamb's not there, so now all of a sudden they're not. There's been some guys from Weber State that I think that by the time, like you were saying, a lot of this is retroactive. A lot of it, you, you don't get the full breadth of what guys can accomplish until they're done, done. A guy like Asuo Peta, he's been, I mean, he was an All-American tackle at Weber State. He's been bouncing in and out of the league. He's not anywhere right now, but he's going to get a contract because he's just he's been on practice squads. He's been on active rosters before. If he sticks it out, he's going to be right there. Same with guys like McKay Murphy from Weber State, Jonah Williams from Weber State. They're fringe guys, but if they stick it out, you never know when a guy just becomes Mike Person, you know, where he just gets a shot That's and right. all of a sudden he's in the league for nine or years. Or when Dante Olsen goes to the CFL and he'll count as an NFL roster in four years, even though he isn't at this very moment. No question. But I think that there's a lot of other factors that go into this. But the namely, the number one, like I stated in the last segment, the reason that there's not as many guys as you maybe expect from the big sky is because Montana State has one and Montana has zero. I'm not – I think that there's way more um, – there's several factors that go into that that have really nothing to do with who's the head coach, the recruiting, any of that stuff. A part of it is just straight up what Montana is going to give you, the state of Montana in terms of prospects, and getting those guys to stay home. Mm. I mean, once upon a time when Lex Hilliard was at Kalispell Flathead, Lex Hilliard chose Montana over a lot of other offers because Montana was rolling so hard at that moment. Lex Hilliard was never for a day in his life. Lex Hilliard was a Pac-12 recruit since we were sophomores in high school. Like Lex Hilliard was as grown of a man as you could be. And he was a day one starter for the Grizz, and he's the second leading rusher in the history of the program. A lot of, at this day and age, I don't know if Lex Hilliard stays in Montana. Yeah. We just mentioned Will Disley in the read. Will Disley considered for about two seconds staying at home in Bozeman and going to Montana State. But then he was like, well, no, I could go to Boise State. Oh, Chris Peterson left Boise State? I'll just go with him to Washington. That's how good I am. That I don't know if that it's a different dynamic because there are some guys that are getting recruited a little higher level in Montana right now if they because of the exposure element and we'll see like a guy like Dylan Rollins for example that's a guy and we're out, it was, it was teased for later in the week Dylan Rollins from Missoula Sentinel offensive lineman he'll join us later this week on Thursday for, to wrap up our senior spotlight series sort of bridging into next year's seniors and he will be a senior at Missoula Sentinel he is one right now they'll open up their season on Friday. But Dylan Rollins is a guy where you look at his, his makeup and his, his intangibles and, and you know his baseline of where he is now. If he develops at the proper rate, he'll be a guy that will at least be in the mix to probably be an NFL guy. I mean, that's a lot to put on the kid right now. He's still five sure. or six years away from it. But I'm saying I don't really think Dylan Rollins is probably going to stay in the state of Montana. Fifteen years ago, he probably would have. So mm-hmm. that impacts the way that these guys are now. That's a good point. The number one factor, though, to me is is that I think when you run developmental programs that are all about the name on the front, not the name on the back. Because there's always going to be as there's going to be as many guys that go to the league from Portland State and Sac State as Montana and Montana State because of their locations, because of the way that they can take transfers, because of some of the kids that they quote unquote luck into. You know, guys that just didn't get recruited by Oregon, but then they bloom when they're at Portland State. Guys that didn't get recruited by USC, but then they bloom while they're at Sac State. Those two schools are always going to have more than almost any other school in the league, except the Cats and the Grizz. But what did the Cats and the Grizz have for a really long time that they don't now? The hierarchy of the way that that, that mentality is passed along. If you were to ask every dude who played in the NFL for Montana what the biggest influence that was on them being able to make it to the NFL, they would tell you it's the guys that came before them. The dudes who were like my class, like Shan Schillinger and Colt Anderson and guys like that, they passed that along to guys like Brock Coyle and Jordy Tripp. If you asked Tyrone Holmes what was one of the biggest influences of me going in the league, he would tell you the blueprint that guys like Brock Coyle and Jordy Tripp set for me. 
as soon as that's broken and you don't have anybody to teach that culture, what does it, because it, I mean, there's all these NCAA rules. There's all these hour limits on how much you can lift. There's all these rules on when, when and where you can talk to agents. If there's not liaisons promoting that kind of stuff, it really, it's, it's hard to, to see the full picture. Like Cole Anderson and Shan Schillinger, they had a bunch of guys on the team before them, but they also had a coach in Tim Houck that were showing them the blueprint. You have to know what the blueprint is. Mm-hmm. And we're now removed from it enough where, like Alex Singleton is removed enough from Montana State that he didn't really teach anybody anything. And that's that's where coaching changes hurt you so much because you break that chain. Bobby Houck's going to build it back because he knows what it takes. But so much of it, it comes down to the guys who came before you and the strength programs too, man. And that and that's part of it too is you talk about when Bobby Houck was here the first time around, you got Mike Gerber and Rob Oviat. Those two guys are two of the most underrated portions of the Grizz success the first decade of the 20th century, 21st century. Those two dudes are stud strength coaches. And they put all, the, I mean, all those guys would say, Coach Gerbs, Coach O, those guys had huge influences on me getting there. I think Matt Nicholson at Montana is a good strength coach. I just don't know if he knows what the blueprint is to go to the league. That's, and that's not necessarily what his job is. But if you have that plus one, you have that extra, that, that's, that's how you become a small school factory like Montana was for a moment in time. Stu Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Uh, it is time now for our prep extra segment. Prep extra segment brought to us by the Farmer State Bank. Farmer State Bank, your Montana bank, since 1907. And really, we're just going to recap a few stores uh, scores for you coming from around the league, particularly in western Montana around this area. First of all, Florence Carlton got out of the gates Big time, 44 nothing. I think, was their win last week. They fall, though, in overtime. The Manhattan, great football game, the only overtime game of the weekend. 35-29 uh, in their uh, second game of the year there. Hamilton, they finally get to play a game. And again, I want to remind everybody the rules here. If, if a city or county says you can't have a game, it's just no game. The game is just canceled. If you can't have a game and the traveling team opts not to play, it's a forfeiture. So Hamilton is 1-0 and coming into the week because they had a forfeiture, forfeiture from, was it Butte Central? Or, uh, uh, yeah, Butte Central Butte opted Catholic, to delay right? just, be, just because of the training That's regimen. Right. They That's right. They don't have enough bodies. They just weren't ready yet. It's fine, but it ta- it goes down as a loss for them and a win for Hamilton. But they're in the first game on the field, 53-6, a very convincing victory over Corvallis. Uh, and they are a team you know that was in, in you know a top-five team in Class A, uh, even without having played a game. Class C, Hot Springs Valley Christian, good game, 53-38. The 14-15 you know, point game when you're talking about, you know, six, eight-man football. It's barn burner, you know what I mean? Uh, Loyola, they went on the road. They played their first game of the year at Fairfield. They lost 22 nothing. Fairfield, obviously, a, a, a power in, no in Class B, yeah. as is Loyola. No, no doubt. Les Meyer, though, is one of the best coaches in Montana, period. Yeah. And so uh, Fairfield's always going to be good. Uh, Polson. 14-7 over Whitefish. They get the win. They bounce back. In a, they had a huge offensive explosion game last week. They go to the defensive side of it this week. But they come out on top of the Pirates. 14-7 win there. Polson's an interesting deal because uh, they've had the same coaching staff for a really long time up there. Uh, coach Wilson, who actually used to coach at Missoula Big Sky way back in the day, he was a linebackers coach. I think even when you were in high school, he, was, he was my JV coach slash. Yeah, yeah. yeah He's been up there at Polson forever, but yep. I, 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 I'm making an assumption here, but I'm a Assuming that the Wilson kid who's playing quarterback for them is his son. Right. His son Tanner, his older son Tanner, played for the Grizz for a, a moment in About time. About a year, yeah. Uh, but the younger one, he's a sophomore. He's chucking it, man. Yes, good is. return so far. He threw for 440 in his debut, and then I think he was something like 29 of 35 uh, over the weekend. By the way, uh, we'll have our Treasure State Stars that we have each week now, five highlighting five premier performances from around the state of Montana tomorrow. We usually have it the first day of the week, but uh, we had to get this in with Katie Duell from SpawnCon. Uh, so we'll have that for you tomorrow. But it, it'll be interesting to see where Polson goes because I think that this is, this is a, a great – new trend. I don't know if it's necessarily actually that new. It's just getting a lot more exposure in terms of being talked about. But identifying special talents at quarterback at these Class A and Class B schools and letting them ride early, getting them experience, like using the experience to cultivate it. We saw with Carson Ross, that four-year starter. He was 
he, he was good showing flashes when he was a freshman. He was great as a sophomore. He's the best player in the state as a junior and a senior because he had so many reps under his belt. I think that gives him a huge advantage now when he comes to the University of Montana because he's played so much football. But we're seeing it in a lot of other schools where they're anointing their guy early and just riding it. So we'll see what happens at Polson with the Wilson kid, but I think that that's an intriguing storyline. Columbia Falls hammered Ronan. Ronan got its first win a couple of years last week, but yep. they lose 55 nothing to Sea Falls. Flint Creek uh, co-op, they beat St. Ignatius handily 50 Eight to eight. Flick Creek's going to lay it on some people this year because you know Drummond has always had great football players yep. and and uh, if in the eight man level, if you got a dude who's a real Division One talent, you're just going to have such a hard time stopping him. And Cade Cutler's a real Division One guy, man. He's he's an awesome player going to Montana State, but he housed the opening kick and it was as off to the races after that. Uh, Ten touchdowns later, and yeah. uh, and Flint Creek had themselves a pretty nice evening. Uh, Dylan rolls forty-seven zero over Stevensville. Thompson Falls beats Alberton Superior Superior forty-two nothing. Uh, Charlotte over Arlie fifty-twelve, and Celia over Victor sixty to twelve. But a highlight game: Townsend Eureka. 27-12, the final Townsend beating Eureka there in Class B. So big win for Townsend over Eureka. Great, great Eureka club. I mean, it's a statement win because Eureka's, yes, I think, only lost two games in the last three years. Right. I mean, they've won uh, two out of the last three, gunning for three out of the last four state championships at the Class B level. So uh, I think that my overall perception of what we've seen in particularly the class A and class B ranks here early class C some of these programs are just they're just machines mm-hmm. Flint Creek's good. You just pencil them in man like the Drummond Phillipsburg co-op is just going to be a playoff team at the very least they're going to be probably a final four team at the very least because they just have such superior tradition Drummond just churns out I mean if you're the best player in Drummond there's very few towns in Montana that can say this if you're the best player in Drummond you're a division one guy Almost always. That's amazing. For a, I mean, how many people live in Drummond? 500? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's a tiny town. But they have had a, a guy that's worth watching since Chase Reynolds was there in the early 2000s. And so they've done a great job establishing. But that's what I'm talking about, passing it along, too. It's the same parallel of what I'm talking about. These kids grow up wanting to be Chase Reynolds. But my overall perception of A and B is that the results have been very unpredictable, and I think that that is a direct correlation with how uncertain everything leading up to this season has been. It's Tutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. This has been our prep extra segment. It's brought to us by the Farmer State Bank. Farmer State Bank, you're a Montana bank since 1907, online at farmersebank.com. Take a quick break. On the other side, Katie Duell. She's the executive director of Home Resource SpawnCon 16. Is Saturday. She'll tell us all about it next. Change is constant, and nowhere is this more true than with your company's network and network security. With an SD-WAN solution from Blackfoot Communications, you get the best of both worlds. A scalable network to quickly connect remote offices and the protection from downtime that ensures your network is always on. For more information, visit blackfootbusiness.com or call 866-541-5000. Blackfoot, connect to more. Welcome back to Telling Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Hope you're having a wonderful Tuesday. We appreciate you being here with us. We go now to the Rangage Brothers RV phone line, and we're very happy to welcome back to the show the Executive Director of Home Resource, Katie Duell, talking to us about spontaneous construction. That's SpawnCon, boys and girls, for you Missoula locals. You know all about this thing, Katie. How are you? Great to have you on. And once again, SpawnCon this Saturday. And you know what? COVID be darned. We're going to do this thing, right? We're going to have ourselves some fun and, uh, and, uh, and safety, obviously, but have a great time doing some construction this weekend. You got it. This is the 16th annual SpawnCon. Wow. Down at Home Resource. And I, I think you got it right. We're quite concerned about keeping everyone safe, but we are very determined to have this crazy fun inventive contest continue and so it is you know i i am uh well the least 
capable construction person you've ever spoken to. I can I can promise you that sight unseen. That is no no chance no chance because he's built something before. I've never built anything. <laughs> well, it, you you got the two of us who are doing what we should be doing, which is only with our mouths and nothing with our hands. Uh, and so. <laughs> The the thing that I love though is SpawnCon is such a uh, it's it's artistic it's construction it's fun it's sort of visionary and for people like me who just got no ability to like see things like that to watch people develop as a group stuff that's not just art it's not just any it's it's super useful interesting stuff it's really remarkable and year in and year out I'm just so impressed with what comes out of SpawnCon tell people just sort of maybe who, who aren't as in and about what it is, kind of what the purpose of it's all about. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I'm always so impressed myself. And this whole event started as a celebration of reuse. We really wanted to show people, I mean, most people I think know who are listening, but not everyone, that we have all kinds of crazy reused building materials down at our retail store on the corner of Russell and Wyoming. And people come out one day a year and they can use anything they want in the store and create something and they have seven hours to do it and those people are i always think of them as alchemists they're literally transforming these everyday mundane items into incredible creations as you said they're functional they're beautiful they're artistic and they're just showing that these materials have value and they're also just showing the spirit of community that's so missoula it's it's scrappy it's inventive People come down, they are, it's a big competition, but people are very cooperative and help each other out, and it's just a load of fun. The fun, the creativity, those are both key elements of this, but also the sustainability element as well. What sort of, um, I guess, the attitude of sustainability, how are you guys trying to promote that element uh, when it comes to this event? Yeah, I think the whole thing is based on, again, showing that we don't have to throw these materials out, and there's you know, sustainability at its heart really means that things we can, we have the materials and opportunities available to us now, the same ones that future generations are going to have available to them. And so if we use our resources at a rate faster than we can replenish them, then we're not being sustainable. And so this event is all about using resources over and over again in ways that really are beneficial to the whole community. Another piece of sustainability that we always talk about that feels equally important to me is that whole idea of community and people working together. Because when we work together, we can do anything. Katie Duell joining us. She's the executive director of Home Resource Spontaneous Construction, SpawnCon, this Saturday, uh, starting at 9 o'clock, going throughout the course of the day. And, Katie, in the past, uh, there's you know been, been music, there's been vendors, there's been this, that, and the other, and also spectators as well. I know that some of that stuff is in place, but also some of this stuff has changed. So what's different? What do people need to know about SpawnCon number 16 for this particular year and the, and the place, the time and place that we're in? First thing they should know is that the store is closed. Usually we keep the store open. People can come through and shop. But in order to keep these teams spread apart, we are using the entire parking lot instead of half of it. So we're closing the store. We will have about the same number of teams, maybe a few less. Uh, The teams will be on site, but we're also really limiting spectators. So we just don't have too many people moving through at any given time. We're still taking donations, as we always do. And uh, anyone who stops by because they don't know the store is closed or they want to see what's going on, we'll have a few things for those folks to do. Music, we'll have uh, playlists of local bands going all day. And we're also live streaming the whole event. That's accessible on our website, www.homeresource.org. Throughout the day, including announcements, we'll be looking at those items. You'll get to see them be created from scrap materials to finished products. Um, throughout the day. And then the final announcement of who wins, who are the grand prize contenders will come at 515 as well. So more ways for people to engage, less people on site, kids activities. And we, you know, I say they're kids of all ages because anyone can do them and they're heaps of fun. This year we're putting together building kits. You can pick them up ahead of time, Thursday, Friday, or you can pick them up on site Saturday It's basically a grab bag, a little bit like chopped of building materials. You get stuff to do. You can do a planned project or an unplanned one and just take those items home and see what you come up with. 
When it comes to the judging, remind us how that part of it works. Is it objective, subjective? How do people go ahead and win this thing? <laughs> That's a great question. So we have uh, three judges who are outside of the organization and not con- connected to the team. And we have judging criteria that range from the craftsmanship, how well it's put together, how creative it is, how functional it is. Um, those are the main judging criteria. So there are three people and they decide which items. Uh, there is also a piece of auction value, sorry, because this event is tied to our biggest annual fundraising event that supports all our sustainability programs and our work programs as well. That will be in October. So all the items from this event will go to that. The top ones, the grand prize contenders, which will be announced at the auction, which one wins the grand prize, uh, they'll all be on display for people to bid on. Any changes to the auction this year? I know it used to be down at the Wilma, right? Are you guys still doing a live auction? How's that? What's that format like? Yeah, the, we're, that will also be online. We cannot figure out how to get all those people together <laughs> in a way that is COVID safe and friendly. Um, but I think the, all the items should be available to people. It'll be over a little bit longer period of time, and we've got some great software people are doing this we'll have a bunch of announcements so people can see the familiar faces and we're actually going to have uh, food available to people to pick up so that they don't have to cook they can just sit in front of their computer screen on that last day and bid on what they want to and support home resource well you know obviously you know there's something that people really enjoy about being there in person and seeing it whether it's at SpawnCon itself or at the auction afterwards but also there may be a lot of people that maybe ultimately wouldn't have the time or be able to actually get there physically that can pop on just on their phone or whether it's on their computers at home and stuff like that. Are you excited about the opportunity for people to be able to go to homeresource.org uh, and sort of maybe engage on a wider level with a little broader uh, uh, scope than might have been capable in the past? Absolutely. We always say that we're democratizing home improvement. And I feel like we're democratizing the auction this year. (laughs) We love having people come. The energy is incredible, but I agree. This will be available to more people and people who couldn't afford the ticket or couldn't come that day. They're still going to be able to take part in this important event. SpawnCon, it is Saturday. It starts at 9 a.m. Katie, what do we have left in terms of availability? Is there any? What do people need to know who maybe might want to still get involved in this in some way if if they can and, and, uh, and get this out there? I recommend that people hop on our website, but here's what's available. We have a few team spots left. We're trying to wrap those up today and tomorrow. Tomorrow is the team orientation. Um, And then we have the building kit activities. That's available, too, for people. You can sign up to grab one online, or you can come by on the day of and see if we have any left. We will have food trucks. You will still be able to donate on site the day of. All the fun pieces of the event will be live on our website. And again, that website is homeresource.org, so you can go there to find out everything. But for folks who have been involved or watched SpawnCon before, you know what you're getting into. Uh, such a such an awesome event at so many different levels. So interesting, whether you're participating directly or just observing or just seeing the creations of these brilliant folks, the alchemists, as you say, uh, which is exactly right, Katie, come up with on this uh, special day each year. Katie, thank you so much once again for being with us to talk about this. We appreciate it. We're looking forward to another great and successful event. Well, thank you all. We look forward to it. You bet. Saturday, man, SpawnCon, always fun. I am. I'm truly like, if you don't know, like, what these things have turned into, it's not, I mean, they're, like, actually making, they're inventing things that work out of scraps. It's remarkable. I, I just, just, it is the furthest thing from my ability to comprehend out of just about everything in the world. I mean, all the five people at the trail, not coincidentally, we weren't invited. Yeah, uh, <laughs> made the winning, the winning submission a couple of years ago. Yes. Right? it was like a phonograph. With, they made a phonograph, but that plays your cell phone, and it actually like works, works. and projects yeah. the sound, and it's just incredible. Uh, all right. Uh, very good. Uh, go check that out uh, either in person or online Saturday, and then obviously we'll keep you t- updated on uh, on when the the auction takes place. Hour one in the books, hour two straight ahead. We're going to go broad scope sports, some golf, some NBA, and some memories of uh, 
a guy named Brock, right after this. Hey, sports are back, and the Silver Slipper has 55 televisions for you to watch them on. Whether it's the NFL, NBA, NHL, college football, whatever you're into, this Silver Slipper will have it for you. Drink specials every single day. 20 Kino machines. They got a liquor store and, well, pizza. Okay, what else do you need? Nothing. Okay, that is where you got to go, the Silver Slipper, to watch your favorite team. At the Silver Slipper, it's all about great food, tasty beverages, and their urge to have a good time. Oh, and by the way, the card room is back and open with games nightly at 7 o'clock. You want to play? Find out more information. Call or text 333-1500. That's 333-1500. Or visit MissoulaPoker.com. Stop by today. See why the Silver Slipper is one of Montana's best-kept secrets. They're across the street from Super Walmart on Brooks. You can check them out on Facebook for daily drink specials and up-to-the-date info. It's the Silver Slipper. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 